Moran climbed down from Aldeeb's back. Carefully, she removed something from her pouch, unwrapped it. Rand glimpsed dark ivory, the angry all. With angry all in one hand and staff in the other, the Aes Sedai set her feet, facing the onrushing Trollocs and the Fade's black swords, raised her staff high, and stabbed it down into the earth. The ground rang like an iron kettle struck by a mallet. The hollow clang dwindled, faded away. For an instant, then, it was silent. Everything was silent. The wind died. The Trolloc cries stilled. Even their charge forward slowed and stopped. For a heartbeat, everything waited. Slowly, the dull ringing returned, changing to a low rumble, growing until the earth moaned. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and someone who's never read the series before read through each of the 14 books in this very long series. A warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 17 through 21 of The Eye of the World. I have not read past chapter 21, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Eye of the World or the other 13 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 21, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going and reading them. All right. Last episode, we ended off with Nynaeve confronting Moraine in the kind of common room of the stag and the lion. This section, uh, after that confrontation, uh, Tom starts performing for the inn. Uh, there's dancing. Rand ends up dancing with uh, Nynaeve, Moraine, and Egwene, and a local girl who seems to be putting a little bit of moves on him. After dancing, Rand uh, comes face to face with a Murdral, who creepily tells him that he belongs to the great lord of the dark before... The Murdral just nopes out of there. Right after that, Lan kind of jumps down the stairs, pulls his sword out. It's like, where's the fade? The Murdral's appearance prompts the group to leave the inn in a rush. They're on their way out of Berlon. On their way out, Lan ends up bribing a gate guard to raise the gate and let them out. But before that can happen, they're interrupted by White Cloaks, uh, including Mr. Bornhold, or who Ran ran into last time. Bornhold recognizes Rand, calls the group's dark friends, and tries to take them in. However, Moraine's having none of it, makes her voice appear as though it's coming from everywhere, appears to grow larger than the town walls, and creates a big distraction for them to escape. When they're about a couple hours outside of Berlon, they notice that there's fire in the city. Moraine reveals that it's almost certainly the inn and that she's going to send money back to make sure that the inn can rebuild. While traveling to the next city on their trip, Whitebridge, Lan reveals that they're being followed by a few Murdral and a whole bunch of Trollocs. Those Trollocs are to their south and the west. They end up having to go north, but not before Moraine refuses Lan's offer of going someplace where the Trollocs won't follow. Eventually, though, they are forced to come face to face with the Murdral and some Trollocs. Lan and the boys charge at them, all giving war cries. Mats is in a different language, which we learn later is the Old Tongue. After a very short but rather close battle, the group is almost taken by several hundred Trollocs, but Moraine does some tricks with the One Power, causing an earthquake and raising a wall of fire. After this, she's exhausted, and they end up having to go to the place Land said that they wouldn't follow, Arid Hall, or, 
as it's now known, Shadar Logoth. There, they set up camp in an abandoned building. The whole city is abandoned. And the boys are idiots and decide to go exploring the city, which is much, much larger than Verilon. While exploring, they come across a man who calls himself Mordath. Mordath wants them to help transport some treasure that he's found, taking them to a chamber filled with treasure, gold, gems, fancy weapons, and the like. While there, they tell Mordath that they're not alone. They're traveling with Egwene and Tom and Land and Nynaeve, and Mordath gets hissed about that. Rand realizes Mordath doesn't have a shadow, which triggers Mordath to balloon in size and try and attack the boys. Running away, they get back to where they've set up camp, and Moraine tells them a story of Hall and how it became Shadar Logoth. At the end of this story, Lan appears, he had been searching for the boys, and tells them the Trollocs actually did enter the city, driven by the Murdral. They need to leave now and head for the river, which Trollocs and Murdral can't cross because they can't swim. While on the way out of the city, though, they end up getting separated by the evil of Shadar Logoth, the mist fog Mashadar. Uh, this causes them to split up into about three groups. We end up realizing that Moraine, Lan, and Nynaeve are one group. Rand, Matt, Tom are another. And Perrin and Egwene are off kind of on their own. Rand, Matt, and Tom end up boarding a ship called the Spray, whose captain is Bale Doman. They have Trollocs follow them, and they, they manage to fight the Trollocs off, and talking to the captain, Bale Doman, they give their coins, their silver coins that Moraine gave them in passage. Meanwhile, Perrin gets separated at the same time uh, and is driven into a river. The Trollocs chase him into the river, and he kind of washes up ashore a little while later. And we realize that the next morning, Nynaeve escaped because the Trollocs weren't looking for her. They were really only looking for Rand, Matt, and Perrin. And she she ends up sneaking up and eavesdropping on a conversation between Moraine and Lan. Moraine realizes, after a little bit, that Nynaeve is there, saying that a woman who can channel can never truly hide from another woman who can channel. And Moraine tells Nynaeve that Nynaeve herself can channel. She explains how women who don't get a handle on their ability about three quarters of them end up dying. Nynaeve was very lucky not to. We end off with Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine setting off to find one of the boys who went south. At this point that we realize that the coins that Moraine gave the boys back in Emmonsfield are actually ways for her to track them. So, a whole lot of stuff happens here. A whole lot of stuff. So much so that when I was reading your recap, I forgot entirely about the dancing at the inn. So it took me a, a little bit longer to get through this section because so much happened. And the dancing at the end was one of my favorite parts, so. It's a fun part. It's a fun part. There's there's like a random town girl who's like, hey Rand, what's up? Yeah, she like. But with a wink? Yeah, she gives him a subtle, or like a shy smile, and then a wink that is not so shy. I don't understand how a wink can specifically not be shy. Well, that's because you don't wink at people. I don't wink at people. Yeah, so there's some dancing at the inn. And Rand end up, ends up dancing with Nynaeve and Moraine and is terrible at it. And Nynaeve ends up kind of ragging on him Yeah, on she him comments a bit. on it. She's like, I thought you were supposed to be a good dancer. And he's just like stumbling over his feet. He's like, and then maybe he gets... I'd be a good dancer if I weren't dancing with Mom and Merlin. And then he gets to dance with Egwene and he's excited until he remembers that they're fighting. And I'm just like, get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> like... Get it together, guys. They do not have it together, even even in the slightest. No, they start they to don't. get it together a little bit when like all of the they shit do. starts going down. Every once the once the shit starts going down, 
Rand ends up apologizing, which is like, okay, finally. Like, stop pulling this, like, well, if you're not going to apologize, I'm not going to apologize. Because it's like, it's just like an endless circle of nonsense. But so, there's some dancing. There's a creepy guy with a scar face that's kind of stalking them at the inn. Yeah, he's just watching. And we find out that he's... I guess like a hired a hired stalker from the White Cloaks. Yeah. But something tells me that there's more to him. I honestly don't remember. Like I thought I did reading through it. And then I, I just have no recollection of if that person comes back or if they're important. Yeah, it just, it feels like he's more important. I mean, dudes with scars watching you in an inn tend to be important in fantasy. Right. Like, anytime, anytime a character is mentioned to have a big old scar running across their face, then, like, they're important. Probably. Especially because I think Rand says something about Lan not giving enough information about him. Lan's just like, oh, he's just, like, a hired stalker. Yeah, that's what has me thinking that he isn't important, because not only is does Lan just, like, brush it off, but Lan, Lan is just like, no, he's not important. He's not just, like... But Rand hmm. says something about, like, but it seems like he's hiding something. Which could just be that Rand, that it, it is Lan, and he tends to hide things, and it could just be Rand not trusting Lan. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not really sure. I feel like Scarface is going to come back. Probably, but I, I again, I'm, I'm just not certain. Or the only thing, or like it was Scarface that let the White Cloaks know that they were heading out. Maybe. Maybe that's like the bigger, like, I just feel like it was his, he played a bigger part in the story. And so maybe it was. Could be. I mean, Scarface. the inn the in burns down. I, I, I'm i not sure that the Scarfaced man wasn't just a dark friend. Oh. They said that he was a spy for the White Cloaks, but. Spy. That's the word I was trying to find. You forgot the word spy? Look, <laughs> my grasp on the English language is loose at best. But yes, he could he could be a dark friend because after noticing that things get escalated real quick. Yeah. Because Rand goes downstairs to like get a get a glass of milk before bed. When so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, Rand's just being a wholesome kid, and uh, he, he goes down and gets milk. gets some milk, and then like bam, it's a murder all. It's like he, he here. I'm just like trying to go get some my warm milk before I go to sleep, and then bam, here's this evil thing. Yep, and uh, murder all are creepy. Yeah. Like, slug-like face, no eyes, creepy teeth, I mean, real tall. my what-the-fuck moment wasn't as big with the Murdral as it was with Mordeth later. Well, yes, Mordeth is a whole thing. It's, that was, like, I literally just wrote in the margins of the book, like, what the actual fuck. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this, um, some of the horror elements really get played up here. Yeah. Between, because, like, just, like, his description of Rand's reaction to the Murdral is, like, visceral horror. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, this thing is the worst thing I have ever seen. And, like, I get it, Murdral are creepy, but, like, how is it? I mean, there's there's clearly magic going on. Right. But, like, are they that, like, they, they just don't have eyes, and they're real pale. You shouldn't have that reaction to it. Unless it was just way creepier than we picture in our heads. Well, and I say I, we picture, I really mean I picture, picture because you can't picture I can't things. visualize anything, which is weird for this. Like, why do I like this series so much? It's filled with imagery. Yeah. Like, 90% of the text is imagery. Yep. 
But yeah, so so they run into they run into a merge and then they have to run because Lan is Lan like hops down the stairs. I'm surprised it took Lan so long because they were like the inn's not that big. No, I think what it might be is we, we touch on this a little bit later from a different angle with um, Moraine and Nynaeve. Like, clearly that, like, extra sense that they have is literally, it's not like a, an alarm, it's literally just an extra sense. So if you're not paying attention to it, you may not realize it. That's fair. That makes, that and, would like, make there, sense. There's a spy, this random other woman showed up and is arguing with Moraine, because, like, Nynaeve's just got real focus on arguing with Moraine. Yeah. So I guess that's fair. I just, the way it had been described before, it seemed like it would be, like, a an alarm. Yeah. Like a triggered response. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the second a lot of this part of the book is very early it establishes that there are a lot of myths often conflicting myths about what I said I are and then this part of the book is scaling back what those myths are until you actually have what an I said I can do yeah and in that way like we get a better picture of warders too because yeah. if people don't know that much about Aes Sedai, they know, like, half the information when it comes to warders. Right, because, what, I mean, what are you going to pay attention? Very powerful magic women or their, like, buff friends wielding sticks. I mean, their buff friends are hot, but... Fair. <laughs> but I'm, I'm more interested in the fireball-wielding women. Well, that's because you're a Moraine simp. Well, yeah. <laughs> he is a Moraine simp. I think I'm becoming a land simp. That's a totally fair target for simpery. Whatever the, like, whatever that form of that word is. Yeah, I don't, like, I think if I had to pick a book boyfriend from this book, it would be Lan. It would be Lan, okay. That's fair. Lan is, like, a, a fully grown human and not a, a boy or, like, a weird bard. Right. I imagine Tom being, like, this, I don't know if this is an accurate picture of Tom, but I get, like, gray hair kind of pot belly vibes from Tom. He definitely doesn't have a pot belly. But, like, he like, has a dad bod. That's I have like a dad he, bod he, he, image I, I, of Tom. Like, he has like an older gymnast's build because like he like does like flips and tricks and shit. You can't. You're not gonna be. He doesn't have a six pack though. No, but he's clearly skilled at using his body. You can be skilled at using your body and not be super muscular, or and you can still have a dad bod. Yes, I just don't think Tom does. I just picture gray old. Tom travels too much. Tom has to work for his food way too much for that. I don't know. Like everywhere he goes, he's like, can this I, is just the picture can I, I have interest in my you brain. in instead of paying for food and lodging, can I work for food and lodging? Tom saves his money. Tom is real frugal. That's fair. I'm just saying, this is the picture I had in my brain. Just like the picture I have in my brain for Lan is Geralt of Rivia. Yes. Whereas you, the quote-unquote picture in your brain for Lan is kind of like samurai Yeah. Which is two completely different pictures. Both they are valid. Are. I mean, they're not that different. They're both stereotypical stoic warriors. Imagine cast. how pretty Moraine and Lan would be. Very, very pretty. Henry Cavill and... Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Both two very pretty people. Yes. Not that, I mean, again, the person, the guy they cast for Lan is... Also hot, because I saw that picture. Uh, you showed yeah. me the clip today, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can dig it. Yeah, they got it. They got it. They got He's it. hot. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody uh, in the series will be as well cast as Moraine, because despite the, like, height issues, which, like, is honestly not even a problem, 
Rosamund Pike is Moraine. Yeah, she's got like she's got the vibes. She really does. It's nuts. Yeah, that's gonna be great. I'm so excited. I'm I'm really anxious to see how. Um, honestly, I think of the three boys, Rand will be the hardest to play, but Matt will be the hardest to get right. I have just like conflicting feelings about Rand, and I think it might just be that I'm tired of being in his head. So fortunately, we're fortunately not we're not head. anymore. We get a full chapter of Nynaeve, which is just delightful because I'm just tired of being in Rand's head. It's not like I dislike Rand; it's just I'm used to reading books that flip POV more frequently. Yeah, like I don't like head hopping because that just gets like super confusing. Mm-hmm. But like very clearly delineated scenes in which it's a different POV character. Yeah. And it just took so long to get there. Like, I'm on, like, 260 pages in. And yeah. I'm a third of the way in. Yeah, and we've not really left Rand. Until, like, well, the very end. Very end. Yeah, you when, get, like, they a, get separated. You, they get separated, and you get, like, a very quick Perrin scene, which was fun. I like Perrin a little bit more. Yeah, it gives Perrin a lot more depth. Yeah, and then we get, like, a whole chapter of Nynaeve. Yeah. And her POV is just very practical. Yeah, and way, and she's, way more practical than she appears to act. She And she's very self-aware. I think that's where the practicality comes yeah. in. Is that, like, she may not be actually practical, but she's self-aware. Which is not necessarily something that Rand's point of view would let you think about her. But now that I've read it, I'm like, yeah, that totally makes yeah, sense. Actually, she's super self-aware. You saying that now just gave me a thought. In a lot of ways, I feel like Nynaeve is almost the inverse of Paris. Right, where people assume Perrin doesn't have a whole lot going on upstairs because he, like, is methodical and deliberate. Mm-hmm. But he thinks about a lot of things, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's got a lot of thoughts going on. He just doesn't always act on them. Where Nynaeve seems really impulsive, right? Like, she just, like, got fed up with the women's circle taking their time or with the village council taking their time and just, like, left the two rivers to follow Moraine and the rest of the Emmons Fielders. But you get in her head and you realize she's not necessarily impulsive. She just isn't sharing her thought process. She also just makes decisions very quickly. So it's not like she's impulsive. She just, the speed at which she thinks through a decision completely and then makes it is a lot faster than the comparison that you made, which is Perrin, which people think he's simple and people think he might be a little bit dumb because he overthinks. He just does that at a slightly slower pace and doesn't necessarily act on those thoughts. Right. Like, Perrin is very much... I call him simple-minded, but that's not because I think he's dumb. I don't think he's dumb. He's I think Perrin's down to earth. He's down to earth. He has very... He, he looks at things more simply yeah. and thinks them through. And he tries to boil things down to the bare bones. Yeah. Because that's what... Everyone needs someone who ground... Like, he's the grounding force in the party. Yeah. Matt is comic relief. Perrin is the people who keeps everybody on Earth. Yeah. You need, like, that scene in Parks and Rec where Chris is all, like, upset. And uh-huh. so April starts listing things that's going to bring you down. And then Andy's yeah. like, I'll bring, I'll list things that bring you up. And, like, it evens you out. Matt is Andy. Perrin is April. April? But not really. But... Perrin is a much nicer and friendlier person than April Ludgate. Yes. But in that sense, it's just, like, Matt's, like, 
hyping everybody up and Perrin's like, I just want to go home. Yeah. So it equals everyone out. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird. We have those two. And then like Rand is just like in the middle. Rand is down for some mischief, as we saw in last section, where yep. he was just like, ha ha, fuck you, white cloaks. But then he's also like, he's kind of on Perrin's side in Shadow Logoth when Matt is like, let's go exploring. He gets one over eventually, but Rand is just like, we shouldn't do this. And if we do, we should tell something. And then Matt's just like, I'm gonna go. And then isn't it Perrin that's like, well, we can't leave him. Yeah, I think it's Perrin. I think it's Perrin. Honestly, I, it wouldn't be out of character for either of them. No, but it's... Matt got hit with the dumb stick real hard. No, no. Matt, at this point in the series, just is dumb. <laughs> he it, is the like dumb It's like last time, right? Like, you can't be hit with the dumb stick if you are dumb. I think, honestly, maybe he is the dumb stick. Maybe, because a lot of the stuff... A lot of times, Rand is dumb. Matt's like, directly involved. Right, because they go and... Oh, poor they, Matt. Oh, Matt. He goes and he's like, let's go explore this city. And then they... And encounter this guy named Mordeth. Let's get back to Mordeth because they have to leave the city first. <laughs> they encounter some white cloaks on the way out who are like... The first time Rand got hit with the dumb stick. Yes. This time he didn't get hit with the dumb stick. He just, he's trying, he's trying to hide, but then Bornhold, the white cloak from earlier, is just like, hello, you're a dark friend. I'm gonna bring you all in and then question you. And there's like some real sinister implications when it comes to quest being questioned by white cloaks. Yeah. Like they're they're gonna torture you. There's torture involved. There's there's very heavily. Like whether uh, you give torture. information is like you could be completely loose-lipped from the start and they're still gonna torture you, is the right. vibes I get. Right. They're just gonna torture you until you tell them what they want to hear. It's kind of uh Fortunately Ramsey Bolton vibes. Yeah. Fortunately, though, Moraine shows them all up and is like, I am everywhere. And then she creates an illusion to make her seem taller than the city walls, which is big. Yeah. Like, city walls are not short things. And then after that, she just, like, Egwene is like, that was awesome. You were so tall. And Moraine's just like... But was I? Was I, though? Which is just like, all right, fuck you, Moraine. Like... Yeah, Moraine is... Um, <laughs> As much as I love her, Maureen is, for this bit, at her shittiest. Yeah. It's like, you were so excited about your fog thing when you were talking to Lan. Just let yourself be excited around Egwene. Like, but now Nynaeve is here. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of in a battle for Egwene right now. Yeah, because Egwene has this, like, half braid. Yeah, she's got, like, this half... She's got, like, a ponytail going on, yeah. I think is what it is. Like, yeah, she's got, like, her hair tied up in a ribbon or something. Yeah, but it's not, like, a full braid, so it's, like, this halfway between... Because Egwene just gets, like, her entire personality wrapped up into whatever strong woman is around her at the time. Yeah. Which, like, that's not healthy. No. If if this was happening with whatever guy she was dating at the time, everyone would be like, "What the fuck, Egwene?" And right. I don't. I feel like it's not much better to get your entire personality wrapped up in whatever strong person is around you. No, like especially not like like Nynaeve would be fine. I mean, like Nynaeve. Nynaeve's whole thing is doing her like she, Nynaeve's just gonna be her best self or not her best self but she's gonna do it anyway but Moraine is a lot more calculating I just I want what I want for Egwene is to have her own personality yeah. and what I don't want especially is that like because Rand is very much like 
the reason they got in the fight is he's like, you're wrapping your personality up in one of these two women. That's not cool. If she gets that through her head, I'm just afraid she's going to latch on to Rand and then it's just like not going to be much better. It's like, yeah. That's why I just like, I don't even know that I actually ship Rand and Egwene as much as I just want them to figure their shit out because now <laughs> I just want the storyline to be completed. That's fair. Like, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Like, on Rand and Egwene, they get a little bit friendlier towards each other. Not, not, I said that in a, in a way that seemed to imply more they're just running for their lives but that kind of resolves some of the tension where rand is like hey i was stupid and you know and she's like yep and i'm terrified now yeah. so i kind of see your point right because they're, they're just they're running from trollocs they they don't get very far outside of barillon before land is like hey by the way we're being chased by several hundred trollocs and some murdral and then he goes off and he like scouts he scouts and when he leaves, Moraine seems very nervous and then calls him the last Lord of the Seven Towers. And I'm yep. not really sure what that means. You'll find out. That wasn't, that was almost. It was almost a read and find out, but it was not quite. Which I think that would put it, I don't even remember what our counter is now. Oof, I have no idea. We'd have to go back and listen. You'll have to go back and listen. But it, it wasn't a full one, so it doesn't, it, it, we're that still at that count. number. We still are. But yeah. And then Nor- Nynaeve uses that one later too. Does she? Yeah. She probably, I mean, she's, she's, she's heard, heard it. it. She's repeating yeah. it. And repeating it. Yeah, it just wasn't interesting. Like, you're saying something you don't mean to try to piss them off it in a way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Lan, uh, we will get to Lan and Nynaeve's interactions because it's also interesting. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a really big, two really big events before we even get to any of the things we put off, which are that they fight some Trollocs directly. They ride into battle against a group of Trollocs and a Murdral. And they all kind of shout war cries, which is kind of, it's just like listening to Rand talk about it is kind of funny because Leon obviously does. And so Perrin's just like, well, I'm going to scream well, something Rand too. Rand goes first and Perrin follows Rand. Is it? Yeah. Okay. And like I get, like, Rand, Rand, Perrin... Rand gets swept up in things real easily. So yeah, in, in he also sense... kind of gets his personality wrapped up in whatever. Yeah, but he gets his personality swept up in events, not in people. Both are bad. Both are. They're not good. They're <laughs> they're different though. They're different. And Perrin just like yells it because he's he for all he knows he's just gonna go die. But then Matt yells something, and it's not in English. And when they're talking about it later, Egwene's like, in the moment, I understood what you were saying, but now I don't. Like, what was that? Yeah. So this is what Matt yells was in the old tongue. When they were talking about it, Moraine kind of just, like, slides into the conversation. Yeah, we get a little like, bit of story time with Moraine. A little bit of Moraine story time. There's, like, several Moraine story times happening in this None section. of them are as long, which is nice. She, she gets better at getting to the point. Yep. Because now, they, now they're traveling with Tom. Tom's a storyteller. Moraine's just here to tell them things. Impart information. Right. But, so, she's like, yes, it was the Manetherin war cry. And Matt's like, but I've never heard that before. And so it's right. kind of like uh, the old blood still sings. Right. Kind of thing, which is a little creepy. Yeah. Like, you've never heard this before, yet somehow in the heat of battle, your ancestors, it's not like, it's like habit, but it's weird it's that like it's something words. From a, right, so they, they think that Matt was maybe reborn. Somebody, but then like of course Tom yells reborn. at Tom yells at them for saying that because being reborn means a whole lot more than what they think it does. Yeah, which also makes me think that Tom knows more, has seen some shit. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because like, I mean, clearly at least he's not just a bard. N- n- no, he because again, okay. So this is another thing during the fight. Back when we were in at, at the ferry, Tarn Ferry, he does that like knife trick. He does the knife trick. Hands. We learn here. 
that's not just for show. He takes out several Trollocs. I think that's the second Trolloc fight. Oh, that's the one. That's when they're escaping Shadow Logoth. Yeah. But later, you know, we, we can do this now. Later, he, like, kills two Trollocs just casually by throwing knives. Yeah. Like, hits him in the face, in the eye, and causes one of them to run and, like, tags it while it's running. Dude's good at throwing knives. And yep. he just, like, brings them out of nowhere. He's like, suddenly I have knives and now you're dead. Yeah. He is not just a bard. Perhaps not. Because, like, I could even, if he had just, like, thrown knives like that at a target, mm-hmm. I would have been like, okay, that's a Renfair skill. Yeah. Like, he's a Renfair, like, I'm thinking Renfair entertainer. There's a sword swallower at Renfair. There's yeah. knife throwing. Like, But no, he can hit but, moving targets with precision. Yeah. And he knows more than yeah. he lets on. So there's this talk about not being reborn. They're talking about somebody being reborn, aren't they? Someone's been reborn. Well, that's why they think, that's why Maureen took them. Right. Essentially. So this is maybe a little bit of a hint that maybe it could be Matt. Could be. Like, we've been living in Rand's head, but clearly that's not necessarily what's going to happen here. Because now we've started to explore other possibilities, and Matt has something very weird happening with him. Because he's able to just recite this war cry that he's not familiar with. In a long dead language. Right. Sketchy. But yeah, so after, after they fight some Trollocs and shout in other languages. Then they get to shatter Logoth. Oh, well, not quite then. Then Moraine causes an earthquake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, they they kill these Trollocs, and then they turn around, and there's several hundred Trollocs just, like, a couple hundred feet away, and Moraine causes the earth to shake and raises a big ball of fire. Which is badass. Yeah. And also kind of wipes her out. Yep. And then Lan has to, like, catch her. And this is one, I think this is like, I just love, I just love Lan and Moraine, okay? (laughs) But so there's this moment where Lan helps her onto her horse and just the harshness in his voice at odds with the gentle way he lifted the Aes Sedai into her saddle. It's like, aw. Like, I mean, yeah, they're in like a huge battle and she just like killed a bunch of stuff and he just killed a bunch of stuff. And, you know, they got to get going. But, like, aw. I just, they're sweet with, they're sweet with each other. And they've got, like, this emotional bond that I just really enjoy reading. Yeah. And at some point, I want to read that emotional bond from one of their heads. Okay. I I don't remember very many chapters in either of their perspectives. It might happen. I'm not sure. Her doing all this work and basically passing out does do one other thing, which it kind of eases the relationship between her and Nynaeve. Because... She's wiped out, and eventually when they set up camp in Shadow Logoth, where they've been driven by the Astralics, she's like, hey, do you have tea that will help me sleep? Yeah, there's this moment of bonding between them, which gets destroyed later. But there's this moment, there's this moment of bonding between them where Nynaeve's like, I'm gonna help you. And Lan's kind of trying to stop her, but not in the way that Nynaeve thinks he's trying to stop her. Lan's trying to just be like, it doesn't, you don't need to help her, don't waste your herbs. Yeah. Whereas Nynaeve's thinking he's like trying to prevent Nynaeve from poisoning Moraine. <laughs> Which no. like, if we know two if things, that's where your brain's going, moral Nynaeve, maybe Lan has a point. If we know three things about Nynaeve, it's that she really likes tugging on her braid. She is pretty good at sneakery and really exists to heal people. Yeah. Those are the three things about her. That those are her three tenets of her personality. Yes. Like, we, we, we learn a little bit more later. I mean, it's a 14-book series. How are you going to have a character around for 14 books and not learn more about them? And not have character growth. Right. But right now, those are the three things about her. Right. And so, yeah, they do have this moment of bonding where Nynaeve tries to help Moraine. And Moraine's like, I, I don't need your help in that way. Like, I just need to sleep. But 
can you give me something to get me to go to sleep? Because right. that's all I need to help. And then she kind of tells Naive that her healing skills are useful. Like, yeah. more useful than she thought. Which I think, like, that's important in the phrasing when it comes to their relationship. It's that Maureen's not just giving Naive a compliment. Mm. She's also admitting, not fault, but like admitting that she was wrong. She's admitting fault as much as Maureen can possibly admit fault. Even if she's, like, doing it facetiously, Naive might not necessarily realize that and just take it anyway right like she's admitting like i was wrong you are helpful yeah which is the way to kind of get naive to hear a compliment is to yeah admit fault or tell her like i was wrong here's Mm. my compliment now yeah because she's very stubborn so stubborn everybody in the two rivers is stubborn Uh, there's a saying they have a saying about it it's it's I don't remember what the saying is, but they bring it up multiple times. Like, arguing with two rivers people is like arguing with rocks. Arguing with land's face. Anyway. Stone face. Meanwhile, now we're going to get to Mordeth. Meanwhile, the boys are dumb. No. TM. No. Matt is dumb. No, they're all dumb. They're Matt all... Is, Matt is the dumbest. <laughs> they're all dumb. Okay, so they meet this guy named Mordeth. His name... You said it out loud. His and it name is literally, literally more death. Ah, uh, just and then and then more death wants them to go to some place else. He wants them to go to a secondary location. And if you've seen the most recent John Mulaney stand up. You should know that you should never go to a secondary location. These boys need some street smarts with Detective JJ Bittenbinder. Because (laughs) you never go to a secondary location. Mordeth literally lured these boys like someone would lure a child with candy. Yeah. He's just like, I have some treasure. Would you like it? Can you help me carry it? It's it's just so it's like, Do you want to go to this dark, dark cave? Yeah. <laughs> In their defense on the street smarts front, this is like the second street they've ever been on. They're, they're, so they come from Emmons Field. Where there's, like, an inn. I'm just saying, Tam would be really disappointed. Tam would be, I mean, Tam would be very disappointed in Rand for many reasons. Actually, you know what? No, Tam would not be disappointed in Rand. Tam Tam would be an understanding father. He would be like, boy, you got hit with a dumb stick. I mean, yeah, he would tell Rand that he's an idiot, but he wouldn't be disappointed. Tam is a good dad. Tame is a good dad. You can be a good parent and be disappointed. I feel like that's one of the tenets of being a good parent is not being angry. Just that, like, I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed. Maybe. <laughs> that's Tam. Yeah, I guess that's Tam. Because, yeah, they're real dumb. They get they're lured real by dumb. treasure. They get lured by treasure. And so they go down to this, like, dark cave. And, I feel, like, Rand and Perrin are like, I don't necessarily think this is a good idea. But I'm already, I've already been hoodwinked by Matt into going on this adventure. So I might as well see it through. So, like, in this moment, they aren't dumb. They yeah. already accomplished their dumb by going along with Matt. To begin with. Yeah. Matt is now leading this adventure. So it doesn't matter what they do now. It's not any further dumbassery on their part. Because Matt is just the dumb sick. Yeah. So they go down there. And Matt immediately is like just diving into piles of treasure. Like Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) Scrooge McDuck. Just like diving in and swimming into a pile of gold. And Rand finally starts thinking. And is like, you don't have a shadow. 
Yeah, and boy, does Mordeth not like people knowing that he doesn't have a shadow. Because he freaks out, balloons himself up. Like, he, like, blows himself up like a balloon and attacks them. And they get the fuck out of there. Yeah, although Matt doesn't want to. He's still trying to grab pieces of treasure. And it's just, like, uh, it reminds me of that scene in The Mummy. It's just, just like, there's, like, a wall heading yeah. down, and, like, so they're trying to grab treasure, and then they just gotta be like, no, you gotta go. Yep. Like, yep. and, yeah, Matt reminds me of that other guy in The Mummy where he's, like, prying a scarab beetle off the wall, and then ends up getting, like, eaten by a bunch of scarab beetles. You've Karma. Seen, I've Karma. I've seen The Mummy, but I have, You've no seen me- the mummy. I have, I have very little recollection It's one of my favorite movies, and then I made him watch it when we first started dating, and he completely ripped it to shreds. It was not a good time. Don't have me watch bad movies if you don't want me ripping them to shreds. I rip mo- I rip bad movies I like to shreds. Brendan Fraser is a national treasure, okay? I can maybe agree with that. <laughs> that doesn't mean The Mummy is a good movie. It, it can be fun. Fun and bad are independent of It's each better other. than Dune. It's way better than Dune, but I love Dune. Dune is the worst. The 1984 Dune. Not, not, the, not the one that is about to come out. With Timothy Chalamet, but I'm very excited for that one. So they get back to camp. And Moraine's like, what the fuck? You left without telling mom. Yep. Lan has gone off to find them. Yep. And it's honestly, like, I feel like in that moment, it, like, it wouldn't have been out of place for Moraine to go, it's a good thing you got back before dad did because you don't want dad to find you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and also, no, I'd much rather deal with angry Lan than angry Moraine. Moraine literally just caused an earthquake. I'd rather deal with man with stick, even if man with stick is very skilled with the stick. Counterpoint, though. If there was a time to piss Moraine off right after she completely depleted her energy stores is the time to do it. That's fair. Lan seems to never have his energy stores depleted. No, it is kind of We haven't seen him we haven't seen him tired yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm also waiting for that. I'm waiting for a Lan needs help moment. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm wondering if that's more if that's like a worder thing or like clearly Lan has seen some shit. I'm wondering if it's a factor of him being a warder or if it's a factor of him just being experienced. No, I think it could be that he just knows his limits and knows not to get near them, whereas Moraine is just like... Moraine's constantly pushing her limits. She is, and that's why Lan is very much like, you know, take a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Like, go to this place. So when you were going through the recap, it made me think of it. The place that Lan initially suggested where he knew the Trollocs wouldn't go, mm-hmm. that is Shadow Mordeth. Shadow Logoth. Logoth, yeah. Yeah. And Shadow Mordeth, whatever. Yeah, when the boys get back, we get a little bit of the history of Shadow Logoth, formerly known as Arendhol. Yes, please. Like, do, you, do you need an explainer I need on that? A little, I need like a spark notes of that. Sure. So Arendhol used to be a big city. Mm-hmm. Eventually, a man named Mordeth showed up. And kind of like, you know that, that one guy in the Lord of the Rings who like talks in the king's ear and causes the king to be bad? I'm going to go ahead and say no because I don't remember any of those movies. Okay. So Mordeth talks to the king and gets the king to just kind of be evil. But evil in a different way. This city is trying to defend itself from the Dark One and Trollocs. And so what he gets the king to do is be super insular. D- don't trust anyone. Okay. And eventually this... Conditions in the city get so bad that it just kind of, like, destroys itself, falls apart. And eventually a large force of Trollocs invades. But what happened when scouts from a nearby army got sent in, it was just dead Trollocs and Murtral with writing on the wall smeared in blood. And then, the next day, when they sent more scouts in, it was all gone. Yikes. 
big yikes. And so Mordeth is hanging out, trying to... Uh, one of the things she says is Mordeth is trying to, like, steal a body. She she asks the boys, did you take anything from him? Did you go anywhere? Like, you know, she asks them a bunch of questions that are yeah, all, did, like... Yeah, did he touch you? Did you take anything from him? And... Did you agree did to you agree, do anything for him? Did you agree to do anything? And did you go anywhere? Did, like, he take you to... Like, outside the city. Outside the city. Yeah. Not just to the secondary location of right. treasure, but, like, did he... Did you go outside the city? And they didn't, sort of, because Matt picked up a dagger... Yep. And I read that passage, like, three times, and I can't find if he dropped it or not. This is a read and find out. For sure. Because I'm gonna assume... That they were in a treasure-filled room, but that's not just, like, a plain old, like, it's not like a dinner knife. Like, Uh it's a dagger. I mean, if it is a dinner knife, dinner knives can be treasure. They can be worth a lot of money if they're made out of gold. But he picked up, like, a dagger, and I'm just going to go ahead and assume that it's probably the ruby dagger. Yep. That's, that's, yeah, okay. Which is, like, okay, so if he dropped it, was that just a hint that he was going to be dumb and go after treasure? Or did he keep this thing and then lie to Moraine, and then now... He's on a boat. Well, did he did he lie to Moraine? They said that they didn't take anything from him. Did they did he take the dagger from Mordeth? Or did he just take the dagger? He took the dagger from a giant pile of treasure that Mordeth's like, hey, help me move. Yeah. So it's assumed But Mordeth didn't give it to him. Here, that's just my question though. Like, can Mordeth get out now? Like, do does all four things need to be true? Do they need to have Mordeth touch them, give them something, have them agree to do a task, and then lead them outside of the city? Or does just one of them? Like, is it 100% or what we'll find out. level? Is Rand now traveling with a Mordeth? incarnation of human evil? Yeah. Who's, I mean, it's different than the Dark One. It's Matt's been super. Evil. Matt's been super quiet since they got out of Shadow... Logoth, which is yeah. uncharacteristic. It is. He hasn't had much time to speak. I guess they had. But a I almost forgot. This, right? I almost. I almost forgot Matt was even with Rand until okay. he got kind of lost in the narrative. I don't know if that was on purpose or if that was just a. It's a fourteen book series and it's the first book in the series and yeah. like no matter how good of an author you are, your first book. I'm gonna forget some stuff. You're gonna forget some stuff. You're gonna like, and no matter how good your editor is, information's going to get lost in the yeah. narrative. So like, was he just lost? In the narrative or is it on purpose that matt kind of got lost in the narrative and then showed back up because like i don't know where he was like there i scanned for matt's name on those pages while they're running in the forest with tom and then tom kills a bunch of trollocs Mm. and like then they get to the boat and i'm like where did matt go yeah and then all of a sudden they're just sitting downstairs and matt produces a coin and i'm like oh there you are where were you for the past three pages yep let's um let's get into why they were separated so we've gotten just about everything in Shadow Logoth other than leaving Shadow Logoth. The Mashadar. Mashadar, yeah. So they're, they're on their way out. Evil fog. When Land shows up at the end of uh, Moraine's story time, he brings news of Trollocs being forced to enter the city at the hands of Mergel. And they're like, okay, well, we need to go. We need to cross the river. Trollocs and Mergel can't swim. Yeah. So we at least will buy ourselves a little bit of time there. And they're leaving, and eventually a, a small tendril of fog crosses and Moraine's like, whatever you do, stop. Do not touch that. You will die. Yeah, it's kind of like acid fog in the mist. It's very yeah. Stephen King. Later, so they, they split up and, and they kind of get scattered by the fog. It starts like cutting them, cutting the group into pieces. Not yep. literally, but figuratively. It did literally cut some Trollocs and a Murdral into pieces. Yeah, it killed Trollocs and Murdral fast. And earlier when Leon killed the Murdral by decapitating it, which is quite the feat. There was a moment where Tom was like, it won't die until, Til- night- until nightfall. 
until nightfall. Yeah. Mashadar just kills it. Okay, it's so dead. that was not just to Tom was being dumb and that's not like is that an actual thing with Murdral? Is that yes. they don't die? They don't die until the night that they are killed. The night of the day they're killed. Wasn't it nighttime when he was killed? It was, and I'm not one hundred percent certain that Or was it like twilight? So No, it was nighttime because Mashadar only comes out at night. No, I mean when the first Murdral was Oh killed. no, it was daytime. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if it was I don't know if like you kill a Murdral at night if it just dies right then or if you have to wait like a full day. Or if, like, it's just a length of time thing. But Mashadar just, a Murdral touches Mashadar and dies. Like, Obliterated. Real quick. Yeah. And a whole bunch of Trollocs that go with it. And it's bad for them. Yeah, that was another detail we picked up. And I'm not sure if we explicitly mentioned it. But that the second a Murdral dies, the Trollocs mm. that follow it die. Yeah. Kind okay. of like a, like a White Walker in the Whites in Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, very similar. Not always, but similar. Yeah. Yeah, Mashadar's fucked up. It, like, boils them alive. The it's... mist. Stephen King. Yeah. And they get separated. And this is when we ha get different points of view. Uh, pretty quickly when this happens, we are shifted over to Perrin's point of view. And he finds Egwene. He finds Egwene briefly. Briefly. Because they're running and Egwene's not keeping up because... Bella is... Bella is... Not fast. Not fast. And then... Perrin. Perrin just rides off a cliff. Poor, slow Perrin. I'm worried for his horse. That oh. horse probably dead. The horse probably is dead. Because, like, a horse doesn't usually survive that kind of fall. No. Perrin barely survives. Perrin, like... Almost drowns. He almost drowns. He considers just, like, stripping in yeah. the river, which would be a, a weird thing to run up on. Just, like, Perrin naked on a river. <laughs> I mean, Perrin's probably hot, so... Probably. He's got all those muscles. Yeah. Yeah, so Perrin dunks himself into a river. He loses his cloak, but then manages to not have to shed anything else. Which, like, it sucks that he has to lose his cloak, but also his cloak would have been wet, so it's not like it would have provided him all that much warmth. Yeah. He keeps his shoes, though, which is important, just. And his, yeah. and his axe. Yes, he keeps like, if, you, if you need things, shoes and an axe. Yeah, nothing else. No clothes. Because he's... And it, like, you nowhere, get, to, nowhere to store the axe. In his point of view, like, you get this moment of, like, him thinking, which is clearly very much, like, it shows that he's not a person who doesn't... Like, he, it shows that he's a person that does think things through. Right. Because he, he's trying to figure out what to shed off of himself that would be the most prudent. He's like, obviously the cloak's gotta go. And then he's like, I should drop my axe, but I don't want to go up onto a shore and then be empty-handed. Like, what am I gonna do against a trolloc with my fists right and then he's like and i also need shoes so i just hope i don't drown until i get to shore yeah he's kind of makes that point of like what's the point of being alive if i'm just gonna if i'm killed. just gonna get killed because i don't have shoes or or an axe right uh, like, parent thinks things through yeah the next point of view we get is naive and this is actually the end of the section yes so we get naive and she wasn't being hunted by trollocs because the trolloc kind of looks her right in the face and then it's like eh, and then Nope, sorry, right out of there. Yeah. And so she's going about and she sneaks up on Lan again, which just... That's a running thing now. If she sneaks up on Lan enough times, I might just start, like, low-key being like, there's something there. I don't know. I'm desperate. Okay. I'm desperate for ships. Okay. I mean, we've been introduced to shockingly few characters who stick around for an epic fantasy series. Yeah. So she sneaks up on them, and then Moraine ends up tapping into that extra sense that she can use to sense Nynaeve is there, because Nynaeve can channel the one power. Yep. She is an Aes Sedai sort of like Egwene. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where some of Lan's some of Lan's respect is obviously like, damn, you're good at tracking and sneaking. Do you think he can sense it too? I don't think that. 
Because he's surprised. He wouldn't be surprised if he could sense it. No, but, like, he might not have the sense of being able to know where she is, but do you think he can just sense that there's some, like, she's not just a wisdom, or... I don't think so. Okay. Because, again, he's he's surprised. That's fair. He does kind of have this instant respect for her, though, which yeah. he doesn't have for Egwene. No, he, he definitely doesn't, because, he, I mean, he treats Egwene like a kid, and he treats Nynaeve like a woman. Yes, he treats Egwene sort of the same way he treats the boys and that like yeah. she doesn't understand what's happening and he says the same type of stuff to Nynaeve as well like you don't understand what's at stake here but he says it in a way that is like you don't understand this specific thing that's at stake not that you don't understand what it's like to have something at stake yeah. which is how he treats the rest of the Emmons fielders it's like right. you don't even know what the words at stake mean right. much less know why this is a big thing I think for him at this point Nynaeve, his, like, I guess, friendship hierarchy is, like, Moraine all the way at the top, like, a thousand. Yep. Somewhere somewhere below that and above um, the Emmons Fielders, who I think Matt is at the bottom. Nynaeve, so it's Moraine, then Nynaeve, and then Tom. I would have put Tom below the Emmons Fielders because he clearly doesn't like Tom. No, but he thinks Tom is a competent adult. But if we're just talking, like, friendship-wise... I think he likes the Emmons Fielders more than Tom. Okay, I, yeah, that that might be fair. But competency wise, competency wise, Tom is Tom is competent. Yeah, Tom is competent. He's a competent human. And, and then and then I think Egwene, Rand, and Perrin are all on the same tier. And then there's Matt, just slightly below. Not yeah, a huge amount slightly. below, but just slightly. I think because he can sense, even though like every time the boys all get in trouble, they all kind of jointly take yeah. fault for it. They're like... They're really good about not being snitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've got... Well, they've been, clearly been doing it for seven, 16, 17 years. Where yeah. Matt's been Matt's been getting them in trouble for 17 years, but they're all just taking the fall for it. Yeah. Because in this field, they all do anyway. Yeah. I think Lan just can sense somewhere that Matt is the reason they're all getting in trouble. But I think he might also have some sort of appreciation for the bond that Matt, or that Rand and Perrin have with Matt. So they're like, he can't be that bad. Yeah. Like, he's friends with these other people for a reason. Mm -hmm. So, like... So the other bit of information, so there's there's something going on in in between uh, Lan and Nynaeve here. But the other thing we get is Nynaeve's ability to channel. And we get a little bit more about what it's like to be someone who can channel before they become an Aes Sedai. Yeah, there's a whole lot of information. So they, Moraine goes through this whole thing about how, like, the signs that Nynaeve would have noticed in her early years. Yeah. To kind of prove that, like, I'm not just saying that you can channel the one power. I'm I'm yeah. guessing parts. I'm guessing parts about your backstory. Just like accurately. Accurately. They, she she wanted something. Re- the first time that she channeled, a time when she wanted something, and she literally thought she couldn't exist without it. In this case, it was healing Egwene. After that, a little while after that, she had you know she she kind of lifts off like, a bunch of like symptoms, and she's like this you know it happens in different orders, but every time it does, it happens closer and closer to the time that you channel until it doesn't happen anymore. And that's when the clock starts. Right. Like, if you don't start to learn how to channel it then, within, between one to five years, because she said, like, I've seen people be able to go five years without learning how to channel it, but they all die. And right. once well, the not dying, all of them. About 75% of them die. And once the dying starts, you can't stop it. Right. And so some of the symptoms were, like, weird, unexplained fevers and shaking. That end very quickly. End very quickly. Like, unexplained recklessness. Yeah. Uh, there's a third one, too. I don't remember what the third one is, but there's a third one. What? 
You're giving me a face. <laughs> unexplained recklessness. Uh-huh. Rand had some unexplained recklessness. Rand was being pretty reckless in Fairlawn. That's true. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, how, how unexplained was that, though? He was with Matt. He was I'm just also, saying. They were also all pretty reckless when they went to when they went to follow a guy named Mordeth. I'm just saying that, like, it's a thing to look out for. Because men can channel the one power, too. They and can. who's to say that these symptoms don't also apply to men? That's true. We don't know. Yeah, Moraine wouldn't. There aren't very many men who could channel and all of them go insane and they're not like looking out for like once they know a man can channel they're not like studying them to find out like hey are you, you experiencing yeah, the they're same symptoms like you need to it's like you need to go you need to go in some manner yeah yeah um, so Nynaeve, like they go through all this stuff with Nynaeve and the last little moment with Lan is that like they're trying to figure out leaving where to go where to go now that they are all and Nynaeve separated. really wants to go look for Egwene and Perrin and all of them and I think they're trying to go I, they're trying to go south which means they're going to look for Perrin right yeah okay because that's one he's the only one who didn't give his freaking coin away yep so it turns out the uh, coins were tracking devices little which, I said on like, GPS fair I also wonder does Tom know that and that's why he's pissed that they got rid of their silver coins I think Tom's just frugal I think he's just frugal too Tom's just like, why pay when I can play? <laughs> but so they're trying to figure out where to go, and Anise very much like, I want to look for Egwene. Yeah. And then Moraine's like, she's not going to come with us. And Nynaeve's like, yes, I am. And Lan is just instantly very respectful of Nynaeve. Yeah. Which Nynaeve finds suspicious, but he says Nynaeve's name, and there was a moment where it's like, there was an implied Sedai after. Yeah. And I'm just like, aw, Lan. And Nynaeve's like, nah, bitch. Like, I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. Like, Let him be nice. Which, small interesting thing here. Um, here we kind of realize that Sedai is also a title. Yes. Like, it, it wasn't really... I figured really... that out, kind of. Yeah. It's like... Like Moraine Sedai. Yeah. It's kind of like, instead of Madam, or like Madam, or like... Yeah, Miss or Mrs. Mrs. It's Moraine Sedai. Yeah. Which I like. I like that it's a title. Yeah. But that's that moment of, like, he just, one, he just takes Moraine's word. Like, yeah, Moraine. Moraine's like, hey, you could be an Aes And Lan's like, cool, she's an yeah. Aes now. <laughs> like, All right. All right. He's just very much like, I'm going to take my woman for her word. Yep. Go, yeah. Lan, go. Uh, yeah, so we leave off with them uh, heading south, presumably after Perrin. I do have one last question about that. Yeah. So Nynaeve is able to sense Egwene, mm-hmm. which is how they she was able to find them at the inn. Yep. Why can't she just use that now to find Egwene? Well, now she knows about it. So, like... Everything she was doing before was sub... She didn't know she could channel. So everything she was doing before was subconscious. And there's probably... If I had to guess, there's probably something about how she survived being able to channel that stops her from consciously using the one power. But now maybe she can to try to find Egwene. Maybe. Because I wouldn't put that past her. Maybe. Like, we'll have to find out. I healed you. Now I can find you. Yeah. So now we're going to our recurring segments. Yes. Which has so far just been favorite moments, but now there's some other things going on. So we're adding a few updates on the creepy aura readings that were from the last section. Good old men. Good old men. So I'm just going to, like, if I find them as we continue reading, I'll point out that I've found them. So in this section, Matt picked up a dagger. Which, like I said, I assume is the dagger with the ruby that Min saw. Yeah. 
And then Nynaeve mentions something, or not Nynaeve, uh, Moraine mentions something about Lan being marked as a warder from birth. Was it so, marked as a, it wasn't marked as a warder, it was marked as fighting the shadow. To me, right now, that's kind of the same thing. Okay. I don't know too much about the warders, so I'm just going to assume okay. that that's what that means for now. Yeah. I'll read and maybe I'll change my mind on that. But so he's basically been marked as a warder from birth, which they do by literally giving a baby a sword. So it wasn't some sort of metaphor. He was literally just a baby with a sword, which is where that image came from. Super cool thing for babies to have swords. I mean, I guess, I mean, what do they, they can't do much. They can't lift it so that it's not that big of a threat as long as it has a sheath. Oh, see, I was just imagining a little baby sword. No, I think it was a full size. I mean, it's land. It was a full size sword. And maybe he was able to wield it as an infant. (laughs) Because it's land. It's land. So the other bit, the other, the next recurring segment, ship updates. Any ship updates? Seems like Rand and Egwene are, are a little bit more on stable ground now. I, so there's nothing necessarily new this week. I'm desperate for ships. So if Lan and Nynaeve continue to have moments, I'm sure that's going to go up there. Do you think um, that could end up as like a love triangle between Moraine, Lan, and Nynaeve? Possibly. That'd be one contentious triangle. Or they're just like, hey, let's be, let's all just have the free love. I don't know. That's a possible ship. And then I'm still on the Rand and Egwene need to get their shit together. And yeah. Moraine and Lan trains. Okay. I haven't decided if Moraine and Lan, if it's a romantic ship or just like a platonic, like, I haven't decided if it's like a slash or an and on AO3. There's a difference between those two. Okay. Slash is for romantic ships and and is for friendship ships. Okay. If you're reading on AO3, tag your fix properly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last recurring segment. Favorite moments. Dallas, what were your favorite moments or favorite moment? Mine, I think, were Rand doing all of the awkward dancing with Maureen. I just loved the line. I typed it out so I could read it. If he had thought he was stumble-footed with the wisdom, it was nothing to how he felt with the Aes Sedai. She glided smoothly, her gown swirling about her. He almost fell twice. (laughs) Rand suddenly has two left feet. Loved it. Yep. (laughs) Favorite moment. All right. My favorite moment was pretty much the whole encounter with Mordeth. It was just really cool. And, like, it's really cool to see not... It's like a third thing, right? Like, you have the Dark One, and they have Trollocs, and, like, all sorts of weird, unexplained shit. You have the Aes Sedai who can channel the one power, and then you just have Mordeth there being real creepy just because he's super shitty. He is kind of the in-between of, like, he doesn't like the Aes Sedai and doesn't like the Trollocs. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the whole thing, Mordeth and Mashadar was built out, was born out of hating the shadow so much that it consumes you. But they also hate the thing trying to fight the shadow. I don't think I don't think Mordeth sort of. has a specific hate of Aes Sedai. He just Mordeth just wants what he wants, mm-hmm. and he just sees people as a to as an ends to a means. Yeah, like Aes Sedai, not Aes Sedai, whatever. I mean, he he might be a little bit scared of Aes Sedai because the one power is the one power terrifying. But he wasn't he wasn't specifically upset because of Moraine. He was just upset because he thought those three were there alone. He had he didn't even, I don't even think he mentioned Aes Sedai or Tarvalin. No, he just said Moraine. No, they meant did they did mention Tarvalin because they said they wrong. did, but he didn't. Mm. Mordeth had no reaction. Just that you're not alone. Yeah, and then suddenly it's like I can't kidnap him. you and right. So that was chapters seventeen through twenty-one. Next episode, 
two weeks from now will be the next section, chapters 22 through 27. We're all split up now. Multiple POVs. Yes, we get to learn more about more people. Not, we're not just living in Rand's head. All right, this was Not the Beginning, Episode 4. Bye.